The following is from East Delta Baptist Church. For more information, visit us online at www.eastdeltabc.com. Amen. Thank you for the music this morning. We, uh, we're going to continue and we're going to move rather quickly this morning. It's 1125 already, uh, which just blows me away how time flies. It may not fly to you sitting out there, <clears throat> but when you're up here, <coughs> excuse me, it moves on. <clears throat> we're going to be in Romans chapter 16, and this morning we're going to, I'm going to do just a real quick review from last week, and we're talking about uh, the power of positive encouraging, and think about the power there is in positive encouraging, and we've kind of been on this theme for the last month or so, and we're going to kind of continue on about uh, the power of positive encouraging, and Paul writes a letter, and a uh, week before last, we looked at the very end of the letter. Now, uh, last week we started looking at kind of backing up from the end, and in, in uh, chapter 16, I'm not going to read all these. I know you'll be disappointed again, but uh, I'm not going to read all these names. I took care of uh, butchering up those names last week, uh, but if you look starting there in verse 3 uh, and all the way down through verse 16, or really verse 15, Paul lists a, a, a group of people. And he's writing the church and uh, these, these, uh, these Christians there in Rome, and he uh, has sent a letter there, and we see uh, as he sends this letter, he begins to name some folks that has brought to mind. And uh, we, we, uh, we see 27 different names and 21 positive descriptions. So as he's writing this letter, he is encouraging his friends there, he's encouraging part of his family there, and... Uh, he talks about those who work beside him, and we talked a little bit about uh, those who work beside him and, uh, and how that they, uh, they were Christians also, and they met Paul there in Corinth and uh, Priscilla and Aquila, and they were tent makers. And Paul says, you know, we met and we worked together, and uh, uh, they became Christians. And I, I talked about that a little bit last week, about how we... Uh, the folks we work with, they, you know, we should have an influence over those folks. And then we looked a little farther down and we uh, see some of Paul's relatives there. And, and we see that Paul says they were in Christ before I was. And we talked a little bit about how, uh, how they were probably praying for Paul when he was out persecuting Christians, when he was out uh, uh, doing all the things against Christ and they understood who Christ was, that he was Messiah. There's no doubt that they were praying for their family. And, and they were praying for Paul, and Paul says, welcome my family there. They were, they were in Christ before I was, and he explains a little bit about that. And we thought about it. We talked about it. Are we praying for our families? Are we lifting them up before the throne? And then he begins to name some people, and a couple that just uh, jumped out at me as we did this study was, y'all remember we talked about delicate and dainty. That's what those words mean. And we talked about red and uh, probably a nickname during those times. And, and Paul says, hey, tell them hello. Tell old Delicate and Danny. They were probably twin sisters and uh, Tryphena and Tryphosia, and that was their names. And he said, that, those what, that's what those names mean. And then uh, he names all of these people. And, and last week I asked this question, why in the world would the Holy Spirit include all of those people in, in Romans? What does that mean to us? When you think about it, you, you really begin to realize he's describing the church. You remember as we talked about this last week, he talked about the, uh, 
the ones who were in the household, and I can't remember the exact guy's name, and uh, he was, they were in the household, and he, has already, he had already died, but he lists a bunch of people from the household. And as he listed those people, he talked about slave number two and slave number three and what their names was and what they meant. And so we see in this church there was, there was a diverse group of people. There were, there were slaves, there were free people, there were men, there were women, there were rich, there were poor. There was a, a diverse group of people in the church. And I believe that's why these are included because that's the makeup of the church. We're, we're a group of different people with different backgrounds and, and different thought patterns and, and Christ calls us together and we become the body of Christ and we, we are the body of Christ here and, and all of us together, whether slaves, free, women, men, uh, single, couples, Paulists, all of those different kind of people and he says that's making up the body of Christ and he, he encourages all of those folks and, and we talked last week about that's what we need to be doing as as a church is we need to be encouragers we need to be encouraging one another and and we should be when we come to this church it should be a, a time that we get our batteries recharged for the coming week and we do that through encouragement we do that through welcoming one another as brothers and sisters in Christ and and Paul explains all those things and then today we're going to be in one verse and that's that's Romans chapter 16 verse 16. I warned you about this last week, and sure enough, some of them took it, because our crowd's quite a bit lower than it was last week. Greet one another with a holy kiss. Who's been kissed this morning? Wait, I'm not talking about in church. Who's just been kissed, thank you, in general today? Oh, there's several. Did I not kiss you today? Golly, missed a chance. Uh, There's several folks that's been kissed. You know, everybody should have raised their hand. Uh, once you get your teeth brushed, you might as well kiss because it's not going to be as fresh the rest of the day. But, but anyway, uh, when we begin to read this, in verse 16, Paul says, Greet each other, or greet one another with a holy kiss. All the churches of Christ send greetings. And what I want to talk about this morning, interestingly enough, is that one phrase, greet each other with a holy kiss. When we look at that and, and what I want us to think about, we're talking about words of encouragement within the family of God, within a church family. Paul begins to say, hey, this is how a church ought to operate. We ought to be encouraging one another. We ought to be supporting one another. Uh, I heard a preacher say one time, the worst thing about churches is, is too often we shoot our wounded. You know what, we know what he meant by that? We get somebody in a church that's hurt, and instead of rallying around them and supporting them, we just shoot them and put them out of our misery, where we don't have to think about them. We, we just say, boom, let's just get rid of that person. That way we don't have to do it. Well, that, that's the opposite of what Paul is saying the church ought to do. When we have a, a brother or sister in a physical world, when they when they're have a problem, what do we do? We try to support them. We help them. We, we're there for them. And, and folks, in church, we're brothers and sisters in Christ. And when we have someone wounded, we need to rally around them. We need to have words of encouragement. And then beyond that, we need to show personal affection. Now, some of you don't check out right here, but if you would, this Romans 16, 16, you may underline that. Greet each other or greet one another with a holy kiss. All the churches send these greetings. We looked at this uh, 16th chapter of Romans now, and we're down to to the end of it, and uh, this commandment here doesn't appear once or twice or three times. This commandment to, to greet each other with a holy kiss. 
not four times, but five times. Five times Paul in the epistles, we're told to greet each other with a holy kiss. So it's not something that we just find tucked away in Romans chapter 16. Over and over and over in the letters that were written to the churches, that's what the epistles are. They're not the, the, the wives of the apostles. They're, they're, the epistles are the letters to the churches. Uh, we're encouraged to greet each other with a holy kiss. Now what do we do? I'm not a real affectionate type guy. Those of y'all that have been here for... For a, for a long time, kind of know that. And, and, and you know, the, per, the person that, that, I, that I bumped heads with the most is not here anymore, but it was Ruth. If y'all know Ruth, Ruth has always been a hugger and a kisser, and, and I've, I've always been a standoffist. So, so when Ruth and I would stand in front of each other, we were kind of like, you know, and she's kind of like, I know you hate this. And I, and I was like, no, no, I, I like it fine. Oh, I hate this. You know, I'm, and uh, it, was, it was so awkward. Uh, but it shouldn't be that way because uh, I see my sister. And, you know, when I see my sister before she leaves, what do we do? I give her a hug. And it's not awkward. And, and, and so when we look at this, we, we explain it away, we gloss over it, and, and we've, we've substituted that, that holy kiss with a holy handshake. And we've decided that, that that's, been a, that, that's just been uh, the way it needs to be. And have you ever heard anyone say, well, that was just the custom of the day. That was common during the day to greet each other with kisses. And, and today, our culture, we just don't do that. We, we just greet each other with handshakes, so, so that's okay. Well, folks, let me tell you something. That's not the truth. And what I want to do is I just want to, to let you understand what the truth is. The, the custom of the day was to greet people with, was not to greet with people with a kiss. We, we can't look at this and say, well, during that time, that was just a custom. Because that was not the custom. When they were, when they greeted someone, so they would say greetings, and then they would grab one another's forearms. Have y'all seen people do that before, you know, in movies or stuff? They would, they would, like, uh, if Jeremy was up here, when we greeted, I would grab his arm here, he'd grab my arm here, and, and we would kind of shake. That was the custom of the day. Do you know why that was the custom? When they said greetings and they went to shake someone's hand or shake someone's arm, what they were actually doing is they were extending their arm to show the other person, I don't have a dagger hid. And the other person was extending their arms to say, I don't have a dagger hid. And then they would grab one another's arms just to make sure. So what they were actually doing is they were putting their hands out, kind of making an agreement that I'm not going to cut your throat. You don't cut my throat. I mean, that's where the handshake started. It, it, was, more of a, it was more of a thing of saying, hey, I'm not, I don't trust you. I don't know who you are. And, and as I greet you, I want to make sure that we're friends. So... That was the custom of the day. So throw that ideal out about that culture, the, the custom of the day. And when, when we read the, the culture of what's happening in the Bible days, and we need to understand the culture a lot of times, and we do that when we study the Bible. We, we try to go back and we look at the culture in which it was written. So that's what, that, was, that was what was common. And, and it was not the custom to hug or much less kiss someone. And the, the thing about that was... Uh, only people that did that was immediate family, okay? Now, that's not much different today, is it? I mean, mothers kiss their children, children kiss their parents, 
Dads kiss their wives. Parents kiss their children. Uh, grandchildren, grandparents. That's, that's where that type of affection, it's, it was a show of family intimacy. And that's what a kiss is. I mean, it's a show of, of intimacy. So that's what Paul is trying to say. When we read this and we take the, the context in which it's written, I think they literally probably kissed each other during Paul's day. Now, there's several different kinds of kisses, aren't there? Uh, we could get illustrations up here probably, and y'all might could teach me some things about some different type of kisses, but, but we're talking about a, a non-threatening kiss, okay? We're not talking, well, let's just leave it right there. That's, that's what's what we're talking about. So uh, we, we wouldn't greet people like that out in the world, would we? I mean, you're not going to go to work tomorrow or go to Walmart tomorrow and, and just run across some stranger and hug them and kiss them on the cheek. Or you're not going to just go out and hug them in general. Why? Because you'll be a weirdo and they take you to jail for that probably. The, the thing about it is we're not talking about things of the world. Paul's talking about things of the church. And he says in the church we're a body of Christ and we should be showing affection to one another as that of family members would. Doesn't that make sense? And when we think, we sing, I'm so glad I'm a part of the family of God. How do we respond with our family? And, and when, we, when we, begin to, we begin to understand what Paul is talking about, he's talking about that affection that we should have within the walls of the church, that of a family, that of brothers and sisters in Christ. The, the thing that this church is, and I kind of notice this, we're, we're somewhat a hugging church, and, and we ought to be. We ought to be that, that hugging church, and, and it ought to be a place where people can come, and, and those who are, who are lonely, they need intimacy, and, and those who, just, who need a, 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 an encouragement, today that they have that non-threatening hug just a, a, a sister or a brother in Christ just to let them know that we're there but you know why some of us don't like that why 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 why, why don't some people like that I, I really think the answer is we've never done that we, in, in growing up, we didn't show much affection in our homes. We didn't have much affection in our home. I'm not saying that's wrong. I'm just saying that's kind of how a lot of us grew up. I mean, we just we didn't have a lot of hugging, a lot of kissing. And, and I could see in my mind, and I'll go back and talk about Ruth a little bit, she probably grew up with that. So it was just natural for her. And for us as brothers and sisters in Christ, you may have somebody that you're going to go hug this morning, and if they're going like this... They probably don't want to be hugged, okay? Don't force your hug up on them, all right? Because we don't want to hug them out of here. We want to hug them in here. So there, there are people, and I'm not saying that we shouldn't, uh, that, that we, we need to force ourselves on anybody with a non-threatened hug. But you know those that are, that are uh, uh, affectionate, those that, that enjoy hugging, those that, that show that, uh, that kind of affection, get after it, you know. There's some folks I like to hug here, you know. I, I had me a hug this morning, didn't I? And uh, uh, we, we talked about the rain, and, and uh, me and Gerbs hugged out front. We hug every Sunday, coming and going, both directions, you know. I enjoy that. Why? Because she's my sister in Christ, and I enjoy her company, and I enjoy seeing her. There's others of you today that, that we hug. Donna, I, I, I was glad to see you this morning. We've, we've been missing Donna, and it, it was good to see her this morning. And, and we should be practicing that, but it reminds me of the story I told you about the, the lady that went to the doctor, her and her husband went, and, and she was down, and she was depressed, and she uh, just having all kinds of problems. So the doctor sat there and talked to him a while, and, and finally uh, uh, he, she said, uh, 
uh, let me show you something. And the doctor got up, and he went around, and he grabbed the man's wife, and he, he laid her over, and he, he just planted a kiss right on her lips. I mean, just pressed down hard and, and hugged her real tight and, and just let her go and said, she needs that three days a week. And he said, well, I can bring her on Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, but I play golf on Tuesday. You know, we shouldn't be that way. I mean, you know, that, that should be who we are. And, and we should practice that, that affection with one another. I want to give you a little thumbnail skit of the church and how the church is kind of, uh, have, has been defiled through the ages. And it's still along the same subject. <coughs> Paul is writing the, the early church here, and he's writing an intimate group of Christians. They loved one another. They enjoyed one another's company. They knew each other by name. They, they hugged, they kissed one another. They were persecuted. And when they came together to church, and because of the persecution they had in their families, and, and maybe death in their families, and maybe folks in prison because of Christianity, when they come together, they recognize that. You know, when someone in our church is, is hurting, we hug a lot of times at, at funerals and things. So this church was under constant persecution. So, so we just recognize that that's how that church responded. But as the years passed, the persecution kind of waned away. It, it, it became less and less, and, and prosperity began to increase. And you remember uh, after the time of Constantine? During the time of Constantine, Christianity became the official religion of the Roman Empire. And when that happened, folks, they didn't Christianize paganism. Paganism came into the church. That's when it happened. And instead of the Christians taking over and, and paganism changing... Paganism came to the church and came to the Christian culture, and it began to change it. We can read that in history. We can understand that from history. Even during the Dark Ages, that's when the Bible was, was chained up to a pulpit in words that no one could read but the priest, and, and the priest didn't read it. That separation, that, that intimacy became to fall apart. It, it began to go away. And, and during that time, they began to separate the church from the pastors, from the ministers, from the priests there. And, and to do that, they built a, an iron rail. And, and as people would come to church, you weren't allowed to cross that rail. In other words, you, you came and you sat, and then you watched what was going on up front. You became a spectator within the church. And instead of kissing one another during this time, they began to kiss other things. In a, in a matter of fact, during that time, during that spectator event, uh, when, when they would come forward, someone would, they begin to kiss the, the forehead, uh, the priest would of someone, who would come to the, to the iron rail and stop and kneel. And the priest would go and he would, he would kneel down and he would kiss the forehead of that person. And then, then that, that began to go away. And then they begin to, to kiss one another on the hand. We still see that some, don't they? And then that began to go away. And then they began to kiss things like the cup during communion. Or they begin to kiss the cross. They begin to kiss these, these different relics, these different things that were used in worship. See how, see how that began to evolve away from what Paul said the church was to be? And it began to turn into an, a, a spectator event, a place where folks would come and let's, let's watch what's going on and, and we'll kiss the cup and we'll kiss the cross. And, and they begin to go away from God's original plan for the church. They begin to lose that intimacy that the church was to have. 
Folks, we need to realize today in the church, we, we, sh- we need to be a place where, fi- where we can come and people can come and they can find a family. They can come and they can see who Christ is in us, in our actions, in what we do and what we say and how we respond. They can see Christ. There's a, a man named Paul Torrier. He writes, a, he's a Christian psychologist. He, he says the most devastating malady of our day is loneliness. There's no human condition so acute and so universal. Up and down the pews of every church are lonely people who have a desperate need to be loved and to be shown love in return. There's another book called Crowded Pews, Lonely People. It's written by Harriet Jackson. Listen to what she writes. Why does a person go to church? There are many reasons. It may simply be to make them feel good, nicely and religious and respectable, or he may be trying to fill up an emptiness that he feels, a longing to find meaning in life. Or he may simply be looking for a profit, a profitable professional or business contacts. That's why some people come to church. But if he's an authentic Christian, he's probably looking for Bible teaching and preaching. He wants to worship God. But it's safe to say that whether our motives or have whatever motives have brought him to church, down underneath, consciously or unconsciously, he came to be with people, to be a part of a group, to find fellowship with human beings, and to make friends. Seated in his pew, it may be filled, he may be filled with people, he may be surrounded by people, but he leaves the church no, how, no matter how the sermon or how the music may have impressed him, he leaves with a definite feeling of either having been made warm by a touch of fellow worshipers or having been among many, but somehow still alone. I believe that's true. I believe when we come to the church consciously or unconsciously, we want to be around people. We want to be loved. And I think when we leave the church, we either leave feeling that we've been made warm by the touch of fellow worshipers, or we leave being among many, but somehow still being alone. When Paul talks about the church, he talks about we need to be encouragers of one another. We need to be lifting one another up. We need to be brothers and sisters in Christ, and we need to be treating one another as family because that's what we are. And we need to show the intimacy that we would show in our family Father, I thank you for this day. I thank you, Father, for your words. And Lord, I pray as a church, we would be about your business. Father, we'd realize that the church is not a a spectator event, but Father, it's something that we're involved in. Lord, I pray that each person here would be involved in your church, whether it's singing, whether it's praying, whether it's uh, praising or worshiping. Father, whether it be fellowship, a word of encouragement, whether it be hugging, a, a handshake, whatever it may be, Father, I pray that we would know that we're here for more than simply to come sit and watch and soak up and sour of what your word has to say. But Father, your church is active. Your word is alive and moving. And Lord, I pray that in our church, and Father, beyond our church, but in each church, Father, that we would be about your business, that we would be showing that words of encouragement, that we'd be encouraging one another, that we'd be there for one another. Father, I pray when somebody's gone that we would just say, you know what, I I looked around and I missed you Sunday, and and I wish you'd have been there. I just want to drop you a note. I just want to give you a call, let you know I sure missed you this week. And Father, we'd be just saying, you know what, I... 
I've been praying for you. I've heard some things. Or I, I, God put you on my heart this week. I just want you to know I lifted you up in prayer. Father, I pray however your spirit would lead, Lord, that we'd be sensitive to your spirit. Father, I pray today that when we leave this place, we'd know that we've been in your presence and that we'd been in the presence of our families. Father, I pray that we'd have that, that affection that we show one another at home, Father. And, Lord, that would be that unthreatening, but, but simply to say, you know what, I love you, and I, I love to see you. I love to be in your presence, and I'm, I'm glad we're together today. Father, I just thank you for this church. I thank you for the spirit that we have in this church. And, Lord, I pray that we'd know that uh, just not for numbers' sake, but, Father, for heaven's sake, that we would be a loving, friendly church that folks can come here and they can find something they can't find in any other place in this world, not at work, not in a bar, not on a dance floor. But, Father, they can come here and they can find real people with real problems, real struggles, but with a real love and a real father and a real family that support and love one another. Thank you for this day. Thank you for this opportunity we have together in your name, and I pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen.